Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. When you're super cold and frostbite begins to set in, you may feel the impulse to run your hands under some hot water, but you shouldn't because it hurts. You should start with cold water, then work your way up from there. We had been walking for what felt like an eternity. We'd been walking for a mile. It was only a mile from the train station to the hotel. And I thought, foolishly, it's only a mile. We can walk with our luggage. It was Washington, D.C. And normally it's not that cold that time of year. It was New Year's Eve, but for some reason Mother Nature decided to dump about a foot of snow and blanket the whole city. It was nine degrees out. And for a beach boy like me, a mile in the snow from the train station to the hotel was an eternity. And we're walking, and my hands are throbbing. And as I noticed the young lady to the right of me didn't have any gloves on, I took mine off and handed them to her. And I had this outer body experience where I'm looking down on myself, and I go, why am I doing this? Why in the world am I not home with my family, on my couch, in the heat, under a blanket on New Year's Eve. I mean, why am I instead in Washington, D.C., in nine degrees under a foot of snow, walking from a train station to a hotel? To spend this moment, this time with these college students. There was about 40 of us there. And when you're in college, like everything in life is moving. Everything is changing. Nothing is fixed. Nothing is permanent. Everybody is on their way somewhere else. And so it felt special to have this occasion, to have this moment that we could grab a hold of together and pin it down and make it last longer. I think we're all aware that there are some moments in life that are like that where you want to grab a hold of them, you want to pin them down, you want to make them last longer. And we had this moment where on the other side of that night, the other side of that moment, nobody knew what was coming. We were going to cross from 20, 2017 into 2018 and, 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 and everybody was on their way somewhere else. Some of us would go to college, some of us would go to the military, but all we had was this moment. So you want to pin it down and make it last longer. I mean, it's a little bit like us today. Like we have this moment right here. We've gathered together this morning, this first Sunday of 2019. And there's something special about it, right? There's something uh, heavy about this moment. You want to pin it down. You want to commemorate it. You want to make it last longer. And how do you do that? How do you make a moment? How do you take something so temporary and make it last longer? And I think that's what was going on in Joshua's mind in Joshua chapter 3, this story we're going to look at very quickly, where Joshua was challenged with this idea of taking a moment and making it last longer. I mean, when we, when we peer in on this story, which is what we're going to do this morning, we're going we're to take a snapshot, we're going to lean into this story that God had been telling for hundreds of years. At the end of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we find Joseph in Egypt. 
And there's a problem there. There's a tension. God had called his chosen people to be its own country, to be its own nation. And he said, I'm going to give you a promised land. Yet they were in Egypt. And so God raises up a leader named Moses who leads them out of Egypt and he's going to send them into the promised land. He's going to take them into this new territory, this new land where they had never been before. And he gets so frustrated with them along the way that he says, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to march you around in circles in the wilderness till an entire generation of you dies off. And then Joshua, you're going to lead them across the Jordan. You're going to bring them into the promised land. And so this is a story that's been hundreds of years in the, it's been forever in the making. And so it's about to happen. Joshua, where we're peering in in Joshua 3, Joshua is about to lead them across the Jordan into the promised land. And he has this one last opportunity. Everything after this would be different. Everything after this would be different. He has this one last opportunity to say something to them. And let's look at what he says. In Joshua chapter 3, the author says, Early the next morning, Joshua and all the Israelites left Acacia Grove and arrived at the banks of the Jordan River, where they camped before crossing. Three days later, the officers went through the camp giving these instructions. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a close, uh, keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. So Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. And tomorrow the Lord will do miracles among you. Will you pray with me? God, in this moment we pray that you will be our teacher. We love you, Jesus. We commit this time to you. Speak. And help us to hear you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, my name is Tommy, and I, I get the honor of, of working with our middle school and high school and college students here at Ocean View. And this past Friday night, we just returned, me and several other college students, from a conference in Atlanta, Georgia called the Passion Conference, which is this opportunity where about 40,000 college students all come together to lift up the name of Jesus. It was an amazing time. And uh, last year, the story that I was just telling you about, that same conference happened in Washington, D.C. They had the conference in Washington, D.C. And when you're moving a crowd of that many people, about 40 people from South Carolina, Myrtle Beach, and trying to get them all up to D.C., we realized that perhaps the easiest way to move that many people was to simply take a train from Florence, South Carolina, all the way up to D.C., which is what we did. It's a long ride. It takes forever. And when we got there, uh, we realized that, like, it's about nine degrees out. Like, it was really cold. And it was about a mile's journey from, um, from, from the train station to the hotel. And we made that trek. And the whole time, I had this idea in my head. Now, I should mention something. That sometimes, like, when I have an idea... It's not necessarily a good idea. And what I've had to learn over the past, like, 40 years is that the way my brain works is that, like, maybe, you know, you have an idea. Maybe you shouldn't pursue the idea right away. Like, give it a minute. You know, like, hold on and just wait a second because you don't know if it's a good idea or not. There's, like, there's not an on-deck circle in my brain for bad ideas. You know, it's just sort of like, we're doing that, you know. And every now and then I find myself in this situation where people are like, you don't have a filter. And it's like, no, I have a filter. It just doesn't kick in until the moment that you're in the bad situation where it's like this this really nervous wingman that's like, I don't know about this one, Tom. So I had this idea on New Year's Eve. It's New Year's Eve, Washington, D.C., and there's like 40 of us. And it's like, wow, this is a sacred moment. Like, this is special. We don't know what's going to happen after this night. We don't know what's going to happen 
after this year, we were turning the page, we were saying goodbye to 2017 and welcoming in 2018. And we're in D.C. on New Year's Eve. It's like this really special thing. And, and how do you take a moment like that and pin it down and try to make it last longer? Which is really what I was trying to do. I thought about Jesus. Like when Jesus had this opportunity with his disciples, there's this moment in the scriptures where he gathers them together, right? He knew that what was on the other side of that moment was the crucifixion. Like he knew what was on the other side of it. They didn't know, but he knew. He knew that that night he would be arrested. That the next morning he would be beaten and mocked and interrogated and handcuffed and whipped and stripped and flogged. He knew that they were going to throw a robe on him just long enough to allow the blood to dry and then they'd yank it back off. He knew that they'd go and find a bush full of thorns and that they would fashion a crown. Those thorns were several inches long and they'd beat them into his skull. He knew he'd be forced to carry a cross up a hill. And he knew he'd be nailed to it. And he knew that that cross would be put in the ground and projected up for all the world to see. How despicable and disgusting a way to die. But he also knew Friday night, he's writing that check that would buy our salvation. Sunday morning, that check would clear. They didn't know. He had this moment with them that they didn't know what was on the other side of it for them. And Jesus sitting at that table in that upper room, he could look around that table and he could see, Andrew, you're going to end up going to Asia Minor. You're going to go to places like Turkey and the Soviet Union and you're going to be crucified for bringing the gospel there. But Thomas, you're going to end up in India. You're going to be pierced through with spears. Philip, you'll go to North Africa. You'll be put to death. Matthew, you're going to be stabbed in Ethiopia. Like all of you guys, after this moment, you're going somewhere else. You're going to be scattered and you're going to die, every one of you. John, you're going to be dropped in a pot of burning oil and then banished to an island. Bartholomew, you'll go to India with Thomas and then you'll be cruelly killed. James, you'll go to Syria. You'll be beaten and then stoned to death and then clubbed after you're stoned. Matthias, you'll go to Syria with Andrew and you'll both be burned to death. And Peter, famously, they're going to want to crucify you like they're going to do to me. But you're going to realize that you're not worthy to die in the same manner as me, so you're going to request famously to be buried, I'm sorry, crucified upside down. I mean, this was the moment they were sharing. They had this moment. What does Jesus do to kind of, everything after this would be different. Everything would change. This one last thing, and I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if Jesus flashed back to Joshua and that story we just read when Joshua, the Old Testament Jesus, has this moment with the Israelites. In Joshua chapter 3, when he realizes that everything after this is going to change, this is the last time we'll be together in this setting. Everything will be different. And, and I wonder if Jesus thought about what Joshua said when he said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, follow it. 
then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. And I read that and I realized Joshua meant something else when he said you have never been this way before. He was talking about the fact they'd never had their own land. They'd never been on their own. You've never been this way before. But I read that through my 20th century lens and I go, man, have these words ever been truer? We have never been this way before. Like the world that we live in, have you ever thought about the fact we are the first generation in history where more influence comes from outside the home into the home than from inside the home out into the world? We are the first generation in history. We have never been this way before. We don't know what that means for us. Did you realize that a world population is around 7.6 billion and nearly half, just over 3 billion, are on social media? Half the world's population. YouTube reports that 1 billion hours of video content are consumed every day on social media. And I don't believe that we're anywhere close to even knowing what this is going to do to our brains and how all that blue light and instant gratification is rewiring us. But... Consider that for people from ages 6 to 17, researchers found that anxiety has grown from 20% from 2007 to 2012. That the amount of anxiety in people from ages, I want to say that again, from 6 to 17 has jumped 20% in five years, from 2007 to 2012. And you know what happened in 2007. It's the invention of the iPhone. Did you know that in the U.S. alone, depression is the leading cause of disability for people five years old and older? Depression. Did you know suicide is the third leading cause of death for 10 to 24-year-olds in our country? We have never been this way before. We live in a world where a war could be started. Let's talk politics. A war could be started with the push of a button. We have never been this way before. Did you know that in terms of human history, we're on new ground? We live in a day and age where slavery is illegal everywhere. And yet, an estimated 25 million men, women, and children are victims of human trafficking. We have never been this way before. Did you know 13.7 million single parents exist in the U.S. trying to raise about 22 million children? We have never been this way before. You think about the things that are available to us that have never been available before, the amount of illegal substances and things that just mess you up, how easily available pornography is, things that are just tearing us apart. We have never been this way before. I know what Joshua meant when he said this to the Israelites. You guys have never been this way before. But it's, no, it's so much truer of us today. We have never, as a culture, we've never been this way before. And I love that Joshua just calls it out. He just calls the elephant out of the room. He's not going to try to sugarcoat it. He gives them the bad news. He's, he's aware of the, the fight that they're in, the struggle that they have. And so what does he say? You have never been this way before. But he gives them a next step. Did you catch it? Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. Consecrate yourselves. What does it mean to consecrate yourself? It's a big church word that we don't really use in everyday life, but it means to set aside, to purify or make holy, to reserve or mark something off for God's use. 
you ever walked into an auditorium before and saw a sign on a seat that says reserved? That word in Hebrew, it's the same word. To reserve for God's use. To say, I, I'm, I have a sign around the doors of my heart. God, I am yours. I am consecrating myself. I am declaring that I am yours. I'm give, Whatever you want from me, God, you, can ha- you have me entirely. Joshua says, you've never been this way before, so, con- so just decide today. I'm drawing a line in the sand like, God, no matter what happens, I can't control that stuff out there. But today, I'm, giving, I'm reserved for your use. I'm marking myself off for you. So how did Jesus grab a hold of a moment with his disciples and pin it down and make it last longer? He knew that everything after that night would be different. Everything was going to change. So he instituted a sacrament, literally a holy moment, literally a holy moment. Like this moment is all we have right now. Like we don't have tomorrow. We talked about this last week. We are not promised tomorrow and we cannot change the past. All you have is right now. So grab a hold of it, pin it down. It's a holy moment moment, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, which we are going to celebrate here in just a moment. This opportunity, and it's on purpose. How do you mark the close of a year and the beginning of another? It's the first Sunday of 2019, and we figured we would do what Jesus did. You grab a hold of a moment. You make it holy. You declare, God, I am yours. No matter what happens, I am deciding now that I'm yours. I'm fully, I'm reserving myself for your use. It's Washington, D.C., and it's just a couple hours from midnight. And I have this idea, but I don't want to tell anybody because I don't know if it's a good one. And I don't even know if we can pull it off. I mean, Washington, D.C. is surprisingly quiet on New Year's. Like, I thought the place would be bustling with energy, that it would just be explosive. Maybe not the right word. Like... And it was surprisingly quiet, right? And I think that probably, you know, fireworks that close to the Capitol, not a good idea. And so I'm like, I don't even know if we can find a restaurant open. And I didn't know if this was a good idea or not, but I wanted to celebrate communion with this group of people because I'm going, that's what Jesus would have done. That's what Jesus would have done. He would have said, you know, all we have is right now. It's what he did that Thursday night. All we have is right now. So we're going to grab a hold of it, man. We're going we're gonna to grab onto this. We're going to make it a holy moment. And so I'm like, that's what we can do. We don't know what's going to happen after today. And so we dropped our stuff at the hotel and we hit the subway system and nothing appears to be open. And I see a sign on the subways that says Chinatown. Like, that sounds awesome. Like, I didn't know that was a real place. I thought it was just in movies. I'm like, let's go there, Chinatown. So we go to Chinatown. I almost get lost. And we're wandering around, and I'm still like on, my, in, on the inside going, I don't know if it's a good idea or not. I didn't tell anybody the idea. I'm like, this might be weird, you know. So anyway, we get, you know, we finally, we find a little restaurant that's open. And it's a little pizzeria, you know, and it's like, oh, this probably isn't going to work, you know, like, because we walk inside, and it's like there's, there's a bunch of us, and it's like there's one guy behind the cash register. There's no seating. So I'm like, okay, God, bad idea, off the hook, because if this was going to happen, you were going to have to make it happen, and clearly this is not going to happen. So I walk over to the register, and I was like, oh, you know, you know, it's a shame that there's nowhere for us to sit. And he goes, oh, we have an upper room. 
Okay, but certainly you don't have enough seats for all. I mean, let me, let me just, you know, one, two, there's 33 of us. You don't have. So I walk upstairs. There's one long table with 33 seats around it. So I went, okay, it was a good idea. So I tell the students, I'm like, go ahead and place your order. Um, I'll be right back. You know, so I jogged down a couple blocks to a CVS that I saw open. And I saw that they had grape juice, so I bought it. They didn't have bread. They had hot dog buns. (laughs) So I'm like, this is going to be the weirdest communion you've ever had. (laughs) DC on New Year's with hot dog buns. Woo, 2018. (laughs) But we shared this moment. And I shared with them, like, I think this is what Jesus would have us do. I mean, this is the last time we'll be together in this setting. And for the rest of 2018, we can point back to this. Every time we date our checks, every time we look at the calendar, every time we realize it's 2018, we can know where we were when that ball dropped. And we can declare in this sacred moment, God, I am yours, no matter what happens, no matter what's on the other side of today. God, I am yours. I'm consecrating myself. We didn't know in that holy moment what was in store for any of us. Some of us would move far, far away for college. Some would be in the military. One young lady went to heaven before the rest of us. But we had that moment. We gather at that table. God, no matter what happens, we're grabbing a hold of this. We're pinning it down. We're making it last longer. It's a holy moment, and I am consecrating myself. I am yours. So we come to this table today, the first Sunday of 2019. This table reminds us of two things. One, whose we are, and two, what this is all about. Whose you are. There is a God in heaven who says you are not your own. You have been bought with a price. So as you walk around this world that tries to tell you how much you don't measure up, how much you can't measure up, as you compare yourself to the people around you and you always feel like you're on the negative end of that transaction, there is a God in heaven who says, I died for you. You are mine. I bought you with the price. So honor me with your bodies. And then two, what this is all about, that this is not about our careers, that this is not about our retirement funds or our vacations or our families, but this is about God in heaven. The point of our lives, God, is to point to you. The point of my life is to point to you. And we live in a world that is going to try to pull you from that knowledge It's going to try to pull you in a different direction. It's going to try to convince you that it's about all these other things. The author of Hebrews says it's like a a ship that's being pulled downstream. We live in a world that's being pulled in a current that tries to say it's not about him. It's not about him. It's about you. It's about you. And we come back to this table and we realign and we recalibrate as we go, okay, God, this is about you. The point of my life is to point to you. It's not about any of those other things. And I come to this table to remember that. This is about you. The point of my life is to point to you. So we consecrate ourselves. God, I'm yours. 
And I love what Joshua promises. Consecrate yourselves. And tomorrow, 2019, the Lord will do miracles among you. But it starts with consecrating ourselves, declaring our allegiance, our full commitment. God, I am reserved for your use. So will you do that today? As we approach the table, that's the opportunity we want to give you is an opportunity the first Sunday of 2019 to start the year by saying, God, I'm yours. Can't change the past. I have no control over the future. I'm not even promised it, but I'm declaring myself today. I'm drawing a line, a line in the sand. I am yours. I am yours. Will you pray with me? Father, as we come to this table, this moment, this holy moment. We realize it's just a symbol, but it's a powerful symbol. A symbol of our consecration to you, our, our commitment to you. We are reserving ourselves for your use. We are drawing a line in the sand. Lord, let this be a day that we point back to as a holy moment. We look forward to the miracles you're going to do among us. Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.